Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. chapter 6 and verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessings upon the public reading of Scripture and in the hearing of this congregation. We pray, God, blessings upon the reading of the book of Ephesians. We thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to live in a place, to live in a country. Lord, we're able to publicly proclaim the gospel, not just in this building, but if we wanted to stand on the street corner and read the words of Scripture, we could do so freely. If we wanted to walk the downtown mall and proclaim the worth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we could do that. If we wanted to walk along the sidewalks, Lord Jesus, and proclaim your glory and your majesty. We could do just that. We thank you, God, for the opportunities that we have. And God, I pray your blessings upon this public reading of Scripture in this place. May the word of God now go forth and strengthen in might. We rejoice in your presence today. We love you, Lord. We honor you. We welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you as uh, you approach the Thanksgiving season uh, throughout, not just this week, but for believers, I think Thanksgiving should certainly be something that uh, we do all year long. Uh, grateful for the work of the Lord in our midst, grateful for God's plan and presence for us, uh, but particularly this time of year where we're able to think and reflect on the blessings of God uh, I just want to wish you, uh, from myself and my family, a most blessed Thanksgiving and to tell you that I'm thankful for you, my family is thankful for you, and uh, we would just rejoice in the opportunity to be able to stand here and to be able to tell you how much uh, we love being a part of uh, this church family. As we think about uh, some of the events that have happened in our community uh, historically and also uh, even this very week as we think about uh, what has transpired on the UVA campus, one, our hearts are broken um, over the snuffing out needlessly of three young men 
uh, who were in uh, just a season of looking the fullness of their life uh, ahead. And so our hearts grieve for their families and the friends and the university community, uh, those who are part of their lives. Our hearts grieve about that. Pastorally, I have to think that uh, when something like this happens, a tragedy such as this, that we have to also think about our role as the people of God in uh, our community. Uh, the Bible says that uh, we are to be, the Bible communicates as a, a group of believers that we are to be a people who are led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, and I'll pray that the Father will send to you another comforter. That is the Holy Spirit's job, his responsibility, uh, what he is called to do, the work that he does is to bring comfort. And so as the Holy Spirit works through us and in us and uses us, the reason why we have to pray and why we must intercede and why we must ask for a move of the Holy Spirit in our uh, community is because the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Our sister uh, Jenny lost her father this week. As I was with her on the phone, my prayer for her is, that the Holy Spirit would be her and her family's comfort. Because the Holy Spirit can do what we cannot do. The Holy Spirit can speak within the depths of the heart in places that mere words or a mere fellowship of another individual cannot do. And so we continue to pray. We pray for those who are hurting this morning, but we also pray to be a church that is led by the Holy Spirit, that we look to the work of uh, the Holy Spirit in us and through us. I've shared with you before uh, that um, I don't think there is a need in the Charlottesville area for uh, a church that continues to do normal church things. And what I mean by that is Jesus was not normal. If you read through the scriptures, Jesus was not normal. Uh, he wasn't the normative in his day. Uh, he was different. People thought the Lord was different. When they encountered him, they saw that he was different. When the apostles began to minister, they were not normal. It wasn't normative for the day. The early church was not uh, normal. And they were individuals who saw themselves as doing something for God, and they were uh, able by God's grace to change the entire world. And so I pray that in our day, God creates in Riverstone Church a church that is not normal. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be the same old, same old. I want to see God move in ways that God wants to move because we have a receptivity to the work of God in our day. While I may not see it all with my own eyes, while I may not see the type of miracles that we see in Scripture with my own eyes, I believe they exist, and I believe God is doing them all over this world. I have seen some miracles at times. I have seen things that defied natural ability. But I long and I pray for God to move in such a way that not that we are followers of miracles, but that we believe in every circumstance God may, according to his holy will, suspend the laws of nature and do a miracle for his own glory. 
And so as we think about that and we think about the type of church that we are and what we will be, we have to realize that if, if God has called us to be, as it's articulated in the Scriptures, uh, people who live and walk by the power of the Spirit, those of us who have existed for long periods of time in uh, the normal fellowship, we may encounter things that aren't quite normal. <laughs> We ought to expect that, we ought to think that, and we ought to increasingly grow comfortable with that. So I want to encourage you to pray about all things. When something happens, when there is a move in the church that maybe you don't quite understand, uh, before we would immediately render a judgment, that's my habit, frankly, uh, is I want to immediately render a judgment on what is happening. Before I immediately render a judgment on what is happening, I need to spend my time praying and asking God what he's speaking and what he's doing. And that must be the approach that we take as a church family together. As we look at this passage in the book of Ephesians, one of the things that we've come to realize over the last several weeks of preaching is that you and I are in a spiritual battle. We exist in the natural realm. We sit on natural chairs. We wear natural clothes. We eat natural uh, food. We exist in a realm of things that we can touch and feel and things that we can see. And we come to believe just through our upbringing that this is all that there is, that these things are what the reality is. When the Scripture speaks to us and Scripture talks to us, what it speaks to us about is actually there is a reality beyond what we can touch and what we can feel that is an ultimate reality that is even beyond the material realm that we have to recognize and realize that even our Lord Jesus Christ exists now ever making intercession for us in the throne room of heaven in a way in which is not materialistic. And so we are called as believers, as we showed the illustration last week in this tension between what is already and what is not yet, as we exist in this tension, you and I are called in the natural realm to do battle in the spiritual realm. We're not called to take up uh, 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 weapons. We're not called to take up uh, cannonballs and uh, bombs and all of those things in our fight against these spirit, this spiritual battle. What we are called to pick up is spiritual weapons. And last week, the Apostle Paul spoke to us about arming ourselves with some of the spiritual weapons which God has given to us in order to live in a material world but exist and step up into the spiritual world and battle in that realm. And one of the key ways that God has called us to focus ourselves in that spiritual battle is through prayer. Spiritual warfare, spiritual battle can be an uneasy uh, aspect of the Christian life. It's uneasy often because we can be tempted to be fearful of the enemy of our souls, the devil, who goes about the earth looking for victims. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Our ancient foe has been a threat since Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning. 
and he remains active, 2 Corinthians 11 and 3 tells us. Satan tempts individuals and seeks to influence nations. And our battle against the enemy can be complicated by our own temptations, our own temptations that exist within ourselves. The Bible indicates to us and shares with us that while there is a devil, there is also lust and evil desire that wells up within us as individuals. As we read in Ephesians chapter 4, it speaks to us that if we allow footholds in our life, that the enemy is able to then gain a foothold to tempt us and to battle against us. Thus there is a need, as we read about beginning in Ephesians 6.18, a need for a people of prayer. Prayer is not simply another aspect of the spiritual armor that's mentioned in the previous passages. Prayer is something that is essential, needed aspect of the Christian day in and day out. It's not simply a piece of armor. It is something that we must be engaged in completely and wholly as believers in the Lord. We have a need for prayer to help us, to empower us, and to give us discernment of what is going on. Paul begins by telling us that we're to pray in the Spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, he says, to the Ephesian church and ultimately to us. And this cannot simply be divorced from putting on the armor of God. We must put on the armor of God. But as we put on the armor of God, we want to use the armor of God as it helps focus us in prayer. I believe that there are at least two areas that we can think about as we think about praying in the Spirit. First, we have to pray in an atmosphere of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Your prayer life will excel in an atmosphere where you have welcomed and invited the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 16, we read about Paul and Silas in jail. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns in the prison. I believe that they were consciously creating an atmosphere that welcomed the Holy Spirit by their singing songs of praise to Him and praying. One of the reasons that we seek often to couple music or worship with prayer is because this is how we create that atmosphere in which our hearts are more tuned to what God is doing in a spiritual realm and we're able to engage with him in the spiritual realm in an easier way. Oftentimes I have to think when I'm seeking discernment from the Lord on particular situations or something going on in my life, I don't want to just sit in the natural realm and sit back and write my list of pros and cons. And that sometimes is a wise thing to do, but that should not be the only thing that I do. What I often try to think about is when I'm in that place of worship, when I'm in that place where the atmosphere draws me up to God's presence, what is God speaking to me in that moment about this particular issue? What is God saying to me? And oftentimes what we do is we'll write it off and say, well, that was just my emotion, and we go back to our list and do what happens in the natural realm. Do what we thought in the natural. We said, well, that was just my emotion acting out, but I don't think that's how God works. 
I think if our hearts are tuned toward Him, if our desires are towards Him, if we're praying and we're earnest in those moments of supplication, those moments of prayer, those moments of exalting Him in worship, just like Paul and Silas, we create an atmosphere that welcomes the Holy Spirit. If I were to take this candle this morning and I'm to light the candle, it's not so much the wax that is letting it stay lit, it is what it is pulling from the atmosphere. It's what it is pulling from around that allows the flame to continue to burn. So if I'm creating an atmosphere in my life of prayer, I'm allowing the fire of God to continue to be stirred within me. I'm creating an atmosphere that allows the fire of God to continue to flow and to continue to be part of what God is doing in my life. I'm listening to Him. I'm hearing Him. When I'm in my car, I'm creating an atmosphere of prayer. When I wake up in the morning, I've thought about what is the atmosphere that I'm creating as I'm waiting on the Lord and I'm thinking about the Lord. When I go to sleep at night, I want to create an atmosphere where God is speaking and God is moving because there's times that if you were to change the atmosphere, what will happen? If you change the atmosphere, there will be a change. Now, it's got a lot of energy, but you and I both know what will happen when the atmosphere with that candle changes. It will begin to take what it can, and eventually it will be extinguished. It's not as quickly as I hoped. But we've all been in science class, okay? <laughs> the point being made, we want to pray in the Spirit. You want to be engaged with God in the Spirit. I, you know, I'm not, I, if I, I'll, I'll put the headphones in sometimes because that's all I want to hear. I wanna, I'm putting the headphones in because I want to block everything else out. I want to block other things. I want to focus myself, so I'm, I'm putting headphones in. But we also have to think about what's coming in across those headphones. We have to think about what's on our computers all the time, what's speaking to us. Because the world is speaking. God is speaking, but the world is speaking. And we have to think about all the noise that keeps coming and what kind of atmosphere that it's creating. What kind of atmosphere we're creating around ourselves. And can we even pray in the Spirit when our minds are so drawn away to things of the flesh time and time and time again? Praying in the Spirit. Second, I believe that praying in the Spirit means that we ought to pray with tools that are enabled by the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the things that may make some of us feel a little awkward. But I believe that we ought to think about and we ought to seek and we ought to be a church that welcomes praying in tongues. I do not believe that tongues was a first century anomaly. 
I do not believe that tongues was something that existed in the first century and then no longer existed again. In fact, when I read the scriptures, Paul saw tongues as vital within the church, which is why he devoted a significant amount of his writings to the proper operation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul speaks about the operation of tongues, both in private and in the context of corporate worship. Tongues is a blessing in your private prayer time. It is a blessing within the congregation as long as there is, is an interpretation. One who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God, the Scripture says. One who, who is speaking in tongues in the Spirit, the person speaking in tongues is speaking mysteries, the Scripture says. The one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, which is a good thing in creating an atmosphere of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14 and 5, the Apostle Paul says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 and 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Paul is being very clear that even the one who speaks in tongues does not understand in the moment what is being said. This is why tongues in a corporate worship service should be interpreted. But tongues in the privacy of our prayer time should be used, and the person who prays in those tongues will be edified even when the mind does not fully understand because the mind is seeking to understand the natural thing. But as you pray in the Spirit and utilizing the gift of tongues, as you pray in the Spirit, you're speaking things that even you do not understand. It tells us that when we are praying in tongues, that your mind realizes that there is not an intellectual understanding. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 8, the apostle says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Now, I know that there are some who believe that maybe this gift isn't for me, some who believe that maybe this gift doesn't exist anymore. And I'm accountable to preach to you the whole Word of God. And what I've spoken to you in times past, and I speak to you continually today, is that I do not see anywhere in Scripture where the spiritual gifts have ceased. I do not see anywhere in Scripture where it speaks to us that these things have passed away. I heard a pastor one time who was preaching on this passage. He's actually in a Baptist church, and he said, I do not see in the Scriptures how tongues has passed away. And he made the comment. He said, some of you feel like it weirds you out. He said, it weirds me out too. <laughs> but it's the work of the Lord. And if we're going to be a church that says we're willing to be like the first century, then we have to be willing to embrace the tools that God has given us for His glory. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you to seek the spiritual gifts. I would encourage you to seek to pray with tongues simply because of the Apostle Paul's writing to us. He affirmed it heavily. And I believe that is part of praying in the Spirit. Can we pray without tongues? Sure, we can pray without tongues. Some of you may or may not know what this is. This is called a block planer. It has a knife within it. It has a wedge that would go in. This was my grandfather's. And what you would do with a block planer is you would set 
the blade length, and you would take a piece of wood such as this, and you would move along it in order to plane down the wood. Now, if I were some of you guys who are in construction, if I were to say I was a carpenter and I showed up on your job site today to do the work that you've asked me to do, and I show up with my tools and I have a block planer, and that's how I'm going to perform the responsibilities that you asked me to do, you would probably say, I'm not paying you by the hour. Because what a block planer can do is a whole lot slower than some of the modern tools that exist today, such as a regular electric planer that you can put something through and it'll plane it on both sides very quickly, just like that, what would take hours, sometimes days, for something like this to do. And what I think the Lord would say to us is that we can all pray and God will hear our prayer, and God will answer our prayer. But a part of prayer is not simply what we say. A part of prayer is also being moved by God. And as we are moved by God, we are compelled then out of that closet of prayer, out of that place of prayer to move according to His will. And so what I would say to you is using the tools that God has given us, being in that atmosphere of prayer, using the beautiful and wonderful gift of speaking in other tongues in order to pray, particularly in those private moments before the Lord of intercession, in my mind realizing I don't know what I'm saying, but somehow God has ordained in some way for me to make a connection in the spirit realm that begins to shift things, including me then I'm no longer working with a block planer. I'm working with something pretty powerful. It doesn't mean the job won't get done. It doesn't mean that things won't move. It doesn't mean that things eventually won't shift. But when I'm using the tools that God has put at my disposal, I believe that we begin to see His power on display within us in changing our mind, changing our heart, changing our direction, moving us forward, changing our circumstances, changing our situation. Paul says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, in an atmosphere of prayer, and with the tools God has given us to pray, we should seek Him and make petition to Him. Prayer is a means to request God's divine intervention into the, of the not yet into the already. God's move of things that have yet to happen into our existence in the here and now. He says, secondly, to pray for all the saints. Pray in the Spirit, pray for all the saints. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You go back. You look at the times that the Apostle Paul has said all, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. Pray for all the saints. We're not the only ones in a spiritual battle. I'm not the only one that's in a spiritual battle right now. I'm not the only one that's fighting a spiritual battle right now. I have a responsibility to look around and to pray for the saints. I ought not always keep my 
focus on myself, looking in the mirror, praying for me, praying for my situation, praying for my circumstance. Yes, I ought to do that from time to time, but I ought to also lift, let my eyes look around and see other people in the fellowship because Satan is not only attacking me, the temptation of the flesh not only come against me, but Satan is also attacking you and the temptation of the flesh also come against you. And Scripture encourages us and admonishes us to pray for one another, for me to pray for you and for you to pray for me. And we are to persevere in praying. I am to think about you. I am to seek God for you. I am to encourage you by letting you know that I am uh, praying for you. My dear sister Rosalind this week texted me, and she said, I am praying for you that today God will blow your mind. I say hallelujah to that. Someone's thinking, someone's praying, someone's seeking. Who is someone who is not you who is in this room that you can look around this morning and say, I'm praying for that one? Look and think. As we begin to flow around the sanctuary, as we begin to interact with people, as we have been in the place of prayer prior to service, as we have sought God in our private time, as we have created an atmosphere of prayer, as we have engaged the spirit realm, and as we come into the fellowship of saints, there ought to be at times a move within us that identifies someone that needs prayer. And as that person needs prayer, our hearts ought to be drawn and stirred that I am going to intercede. I am going to pray. I am going to ask God to move. Who here this morning will you pray for? Maybe you take out a sheet of paper this morning and write it down. Maybe you run to someone after church and say, God, put you on my heart. I am going to be praying for you. We must feel that freedom. The Apostle Paul says, pray in the Spirit and pray for the saints. Finally, he says, pray for the leaders. Chapter 6 and verse 19, he says, and pray on my behalf. That speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul has asked for prayer for others, but he can also not neglect to ask those who are reading this letter for earnest supplication on his behalf as well. He had prayed for the churches, and every time he has prayed for the churches and written letters, he is constantly asking them for prayers on his behalf. He's aware of his position at the forefront of the battle, even though at this moment he was in prison, and he knew of his own vulnerability. His desire was not, interesting, isn't it, for a brother in prison Pray for me to get out of this prison. We don't read that in Ephesians, do we? He doesn't pray for his liberation, but rather he prays that they should intercede for the great ministry of the word that he was called to. And the word says that there were two things that he desired in this task. He asked him to pray that utterance would be given to him in the opening of his mouth. He was always aware and conscious of his responsibility and being entrusted with the gospel of eternal salvation. And he desires that above all else, that whenever he has the opportunity to speak, that speak about the gospel or speak forth the gospel, that God would give him the proper words to say. Secondly, as he's aware that by God's grace, 
He has been given understanding in the mystery of the gospel. He is aware that he has an understanding of what has happened, and he desires that he would constantly proclaim that boldly without departing from or diminishing the whole counsel of God. You see, I could preach to you things that I like to preach to you. It's not hard, and you have to realize this, and I'm not telling you a secret, but it's not hard for a preacher to preach things that people like to hear. Because I know the things I like to hear. But it is at times hard to preach things or to share things with you that I know will be difficult and that I know may disturb some, that I know may cause challenge, that I know may cause difficulty, that I know some may doubt. But I also realize and understand that I have to preach to you the whole counsel of God. And I will tell you, I don't trust myself in that venture to just cherry-pick scriptures to bring to you. This is why I believe in the exegetical preaching of the Word, line upon line, precept upon precept, because I'm going to encounter scriptures from time to time that I wouldn't otherwise choose to preach from. This is why I believe the Lord has led us through the entire book of Ephesians. Because if I were to preach to you, I may have got three or four sermons out of Ephesians, but there was time when I have to ask the Lord, God, what do you mean by this? What is this here for? If all of your word is divinely inspired, if all of your word is profitable, if all of your word is available, Lord Jesus, what does this mean and how do I communicate this to a people? easy to communicate or not communicate, seeking either praise from others or to avoid the inevitable battles that may come by engaging with others. It's interesting that when Jesus was facing the Pharisees, he said, how can you believe when you're seeking the approval of one another? He said, I'm standing here right in front of you, Jesus Messiah standing in front of some of the Pharisees, and he looks at them, the Messiah, the creator of the world, who created them, they were made in his image, looking them in the eye. And he says, you cannot believe because you are seeking the approval of men. And you and I have to be careful of that. If we're seeking the affirmation of others instead of the affirmation of God, I fully, 100% believe that it hinders our belief in the work God desires to do in us. Like other apostles, Paul's prayer was not for success. It wasn't for deliverance from danger or from suffering. It was for boldness in proclaiming the gospel of God that was entrusted to him. There is an obligation that we have to intercede and pray for our leaders, that our leaders would be bold in proclaiming the gospel. And if there was ever a day when boldness is needed, it is now. We need people who are firm in their conviction, that are not ashamed of proclaiming the gospel to a hostile culture. 
personally, I need your prayers. I need your prayers. I'm not the only leader here. I'm one of the leaders here. And I would say the others would say they need your prayers too. From things going on in the spiritual realm to things going on in the natural realm to the joyful burden of leading a church, the joyful burden of leading a home that simultaneously has very young children and also children that we are launching into their future, I personally desire earnestly the prayers of this fellowship. My wife and I have often talked of how much we love you, how much we love this church and what God has done. In fact, I will tell you that this morning is an interesting day for me because it was, uh, I'm not going to all the details. I don't plan to go into all the details. But three years ago today is when this journey began. On this very day. I wasn't clapping that day. In fact, I felt, felt drugged through the mud for the next 6, 8, 10, 12, 18, 24 months. But what I want you to say, and I, I didn't have that in my notes to say. Maybe I shouldn't have said it. But what I want you to come and to understand and to know is that whatever point you find yourself in this morning, you can be at the lowest of low, and if people are praying for you, God will lift you up and bring you out. He will bring you from a place of utter despair. He will bring you from a place of utter challenge and difficulty. He will bring you from a place where you think that you can't even look up and see the bottom, that all there is is darkness and blackness, and the candle will light in the midst, and God will come, and God will deliver, and he will do things in your midst which you would have never dreamed of because that's what's happened in the last three years of my own life, and I testify of his goodness to you today. So as we stand together this morning, the Apostle Paul, what was my book before I finish my last notes? The Apostle Paul, in the last little bit of his letter, he shares some instructions regarding Tychicus, who will deliver the letter, who was also the faithful brother who delivered his letters to the Colossians and to Philemon as well. In verse 23, the Apostle Paul prays on behalf of the Ephesians and others who had received the letter, and he simply says, Peace be to the brethren, peace be to the brothers and the sisters, in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. And may that be said of us as well. Heavenly Father, in these moments as we think about prayer, we think about praying in the Spirit. We think about praying for others. We think about praying for our leaders. Lord, I ask you today that you would move in grace and in compassion. God, that you would convince and convict us in this holy task of prayer. God, that you would help us as your people to never feel like we have arrived at the understanding of what prayer is. If I were to look at prayer in the natural, I would think, God, why do you call us to speak words into the air? Why do you call us to go to a private place and to speak words to someone that I can't see? The enemy would tempt me at times to think it doesn't matter. God already knows what you need, so why even pray it? What is this task for? 
I don't claim to understand it fully, which is why I continue to ask the Lord, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray, Lord. I know how to speak. I know how to speak to you. But God, I don't fully comprehend what prayer is. I don't fully comprehend how prayer moves you. God, you're God of the universe. How does my finite life exert some effort to speak forth prayers to you or to pray with my mind or to pray out of my heart or to pray in groanings or to pray in tongues? What does that do? What does that mean? Why have you called me, O Lord, to use this means in order to communicate to you, God? I don't understand, but God, I also understand and I do believe that you call me to act by faith. You call me to take a step, Lord, and you call me to believe what your Scripture says. And your Scripture says to us that we're to be a people of prayer. In fact, your Scripture speaks to us and says that this very house should be a house of prayer. This very place should be a place where there are prayers continually going up. Though we may not understand, though we may not comprehend, that prayer should continually resonate, emanate from this place. Your house shall be called a house of prayer. You were zealous for your house. You didn't like other things happening in your house that weren't related to prayer. Your apostles over and over and over again called the early church to prayer. They echo through the centuries for God's people to be a people of prayer. Jesus said, I want you to pray like this. I want you to think like this. Jesus said, tarry with me one hour in prayer. Could you not wait? Could you not pray? Could you not stay awake? Pray and seek for the tempter is coming. Pray. The apostle says to us, with all prayer and petition, Pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray for those around you. Pray for your leaders. Pray for me. Pray. To the world, prayer isn't very meaningful. After tragedies that we see time and again in our culture, years ago, As an act of solidarity, people would say, we're praying for you. Often today, we hear people in the world saying, I don't want your prayers. It's not enough to pray. Yet God, I believe, through your ministry in the Apostle Paul, that he penned for us words inspired by the Holy Spirit that speak to us in this moment. And as a final parting word to the Ephesians, the Apostle in prison says, pray at all times all times pray at all times in the spirit and so God I ask you once again on behalf of this congregation on behalf of myself teach us to pray lead us to pray give us an earnestness in prayer let us not grow weary with prayer let us not push prayer away 
Let us not forget to pray. But God, help us. And God, as we're drawn to this house, as we come together on a Sunday morning, our time of worship, our time of exaltation of you, Lord, let us not forget that we're entering into a house of prayer. We're entering into a place where you said that you want it to be a place where people are interceding, people are crying out. People are seeking you. People are longing after you. Let this house, let Riverstone Church be a place of prayer. I know it won't be the only one, but let this one be a house of prayer. Let us not grow weary, God. Help us, Lord, to be like an Anna and Simeon who are even in old age continue to pray with longing and fervency, looking, watching, oh God, in the temple for a move with our prayers. A lifetime of prayer. Call us to it, God, that we would not be normal, but that we would be people of the Spirit and people of your Word and people of prayer fully clothed in the armor of God, doing battle against the enemy, seeing transformation in our community, oh God, where people, Lord, are no longer in fear, where people are no longer in sorrow and agony, where families are no longer grieving lost ones whose lives have been uh, quickly snuffed out, but there are people who are rejoicing in holiness unto the Lord, people who are lifting up holy hands unto God, that there is a campus community who is worshiping you in the spirit of truth, who is worshiping you in an atmosphere of praise, that from the city hall, Lord, to the street, God, that in our community, Lord, in Albemarle, in Green, in Nelson, in Rockingham, and wherever else it may be, Fluvanna, God, wherever you would take us, God, that there would be a place, Lord, where your name would be exalted, Lord Jesus Christ, from the front to the back, from the east to the west, God, that there would be people lifting up your name, God, people interceding and praying, and there would be transformation. Thank you, Jesus. We stand firmly upon your word today, and we thank you, God, for your grace which has ministered to us today. Hide this word in our heart, O Lord, that we would not sin against you. Thank you, God, for this time together. I bless this people, and I pray, Father, that as many gather together over this week and celebrate Thanksgiving, that there would be just a thanksgiving in our heart to you. Whether we may spend it individually or spend it with others, God, I pray that as we anticipate Thursday, that we will count our blessings and that in this place, in this congregation, that there would be a rejoicing in the good things which you have done. And we thank you, Lord. We honor you. We praise you. We love you, Jesus, for your grace this morning. Thank you for your presence that's here name I pray. Amen.